0: Welcome to the Sunday evening service at Bible Baptist Church in Hampton, Georgia, where the Bible is opened and explained, Christians are encouraged, and Christ is lifted up. Thank you for joining us, and may your hearts be blessed as God's Word is taught. And now, enjoy this message from Pastor Lauren Regeer. All right, if you have your Bibles, it's been a rather gloomy day. So, to cheer you up this Christmas season, I've decided to look at two of what we call the the, the, the gloomiest Psalms in the Bible, I know that would cheer you up on a day that's been rather gloomy and rainy and foggy and all, let's go keep your, really, your finger in two places, if you can, fingers in two places, and we'll start with Psalm 13 and then Psalm 88, speaking to the Lord, praying to the Lord from the bottom of the well It's a title tonight, and I don't know if tonight you may be feeling a little discouraged. I don't know if it's true or not, but I heard a statistic the other day that the past year in America we've had more suicides than ever before. I don't know that that's true, and I don't even know that uh, tonight this would be a problem for you at all. You may have never been depressed in your life at all. Good for you. Uh, Many folks do struggle with this. I'm going to see if you know who said said these words. Again, the two Psalms we're going to look at, Psalm 13 and Psalm 88. Here's a, a quote. He said, I am now the most miserable man living, the famous American leader. If what I feel, he said, were equally distributed to the whole human family, there would not be one cheerful face on earth. Wow. Who do you think said that? American president, Roosevelt, good guess. Uh, you may be surprised to know that the man who wrote those words was Abraham Lincoln. Maybe I heard that somewhere. Years later, in the darkest days of the Civil War, Lincoln wrestled continually with the unrelenting feeling of depression. It could strike anyone. No one is immune, not even a nation's president who's surrounded by security and has a, a good salary, and yet there was in his heart, as you can imagine, especially through the Civil War days, tremendous depression. How about tonight? We just do something uh, as just a, just a kind of a layman's approach. How would you define depression? Just us tonight, smaller group, and just what would you say depression is? You say, well, I, I know a little bit about... It. or. Maybe you just want to try to give us a definition of depression. Anybody? The things around us that we can't do anything about, it can be the bad things, especially, or what we consider the bad things, sure. Anybody else with a definition of depression? Some of you don't look that happy tonight. You ought to have a good definition. Yes, Elizabeth. No more hope, nothing to look forward to. That's good. Yes, sir. Unbelievable, unrelenting discouragement. It'd be interesting to be honest tonight and see how many of you have gone through at least a season of depression. This time of year, although we talk a lot about Christmas cheer, can be one of the most difficult times for certain folks to go through. Well, Uh, let's look at two psalmists who were very, very, very honest with the Lord about this season of their life. You might think, why in the world did the Lord ever even include these psalms in the Bible? We call them psalms of lament. Well, if you're in Psalm uh, 13, let's start with only six verses there, but let's read those. This is a psalm of David. The other one is a uh, a psalm of Heman. Let's start with these six verses. How long? In fact, in the first few verses, you'll see this repeated four times, these words. How long wilt thou forget me, O Lord, forever? How long wilt thou hide thy face from me? Remember, David was ten years in hiding before he became king, even though he knew he would be. How long will I take counsel in my soul, having sorrow in my heart daily? How long shall my enemy be exalted over me? Consider and hear me, O Lord my God, lighten mine eyes, lest I sleep the sleep of death. Lest mine enemies say I've prevailed over him, and those that trouble me rejoice when I am moved. And then he ends on more of a confident note, but I've trusted in the Lord in thy mercy. My heart shall rejoice in thy salvation. I will sing unto the Lord because he hath dealt bountifully with me. Psalm 13 and Psalm 88 are the most difficult, really, to, to, to even try to put a title on or try to even explain to folks because they seem so dark, so blue. Psalm 88. If you're there, uh, let's take a look at this one and read a few verses together. We'll get the theme. Really, just two points tonight: the psalmist, period, uh, psalmist plural, complaint and their confidence. They're complaining. And their confidence. This is for the sons of Korah. And this is, of course, a masculine of Haman, the Ezraite. He was a singer, but on these days, he was singing the blues. Look at verse 1. O Lord God of my salvation, I have cried again, just like David, day and night before thee. Let my prayer come before thee. Incline thine ear unto my cry. For my soul is full of troubles, and my life draweth nigh to the grave. I'm counted with them that go down to the pit. Our prayers from the bottom of the pit. I'm as a man that hath no strength, free from the dead, among the dead, like the slain that lie in the grave, whom thou rememberest no more, and they're cut off from thy hand. And then verse 6, you almost see the refrain again. Thou hast laid me in the lowest pit, in the darkness in the deep. In fact, it's hard to find a ray of sunshine in this whole psalm, except for perhaps verse 9. You see there, "...mine I mourn that by reason of affliction, Lord, I have called daily upon Thee." That's the only kind of ray of sunshine. Perhaps uh, we see it uh, towards the end of the psalm as well, but it's very difficult to find any good news. When I was a, a young man, I remember very clearly we were in Brazil and our whole campus was run at least watered from a well. And one day we had no water and somebody said, Well, the pump in the well needs to be repaired. And the only way to do that is to send somebody down into the bottom of the well. And we looked around all the workmen and no one volunteered to go down and fix the pump that was situated way down. Our well was big enough for someone to be lowered down on a kind of almost what it looked like to me uh, is just my recollection. It was just a a swing, a seat that you'd have, a a piece of board, two ropes. And uh, we looked around for any volunteers and my father said, I'll go down into the pit. (laughs) I'll go down into the well. Pick me because he knew that no one else wanted to do it. Dad knew a little bit about electricity and Here I was, a boy of about fourth grade, and I thought, I am never going to see my dad again. I mean, they started to lower him. Dad did not know how to swim, by the way. That's just a little wrinkle of the story. Dad never, working in the Amazon, he never learned how to swim. So I knew that as they lowered my father down, I looked, and all of a sudden, he he went from that little bit of sunlight, the shaft at the top of the well, to where I couldn't see him at all. (laughs) I felt like Uh, The king, I think Adaris, who who yelled at Daniel at the morning, has your God been able to deliver you? And he went down and down, and there was a little flashlight he was holding probably between his teeth as he was working on that thing, and I felt like yelling, Daddy, am I ever going to see you again? Have you ever been so low in the pit, so to speak, of life that you have said, Lord, I don't think this is ever going to change for me. It's just so dark and gloomy We've had a gloomy day in Georgia today, and sometimes it affects our spirits, doesn't it? And as we travel through life, sometimes we believe that God has forsaken us. And we say things like, God, why why have you uh, forgotten my case, like Job, my cause? You've just totally forgotten. So first of all, really just two short points tonight. The psalmist's complaint to God, you got your fingers still, in Psalm 13, we see that word, those words, how long? Have you ever said that to the Lord, prayed that to the Lord? How long? Four times, how long will you forget me, Lord? How long will you hide your face from me? It would be interesting if we were honest tonight, if that would be the prayer of your heart. Lord, how long are we going to go through this difficult season? How long before I, my son or my daughter return to the Lord? How long? Before we have this headache change, this relationship challenge, this financial burden. And in, in the case of Psalm 88, that, that psalmist, there, there seems to be that uh, there is a, a long-standing health crisis in his life. I'm shut up. I can't come forth. He says, I'm just, I've suffered terrors from my youth. Verse 15 of Psalm 88, sorry to move you back and forth, but that psalmist says, I'm afflicted. And ready to die from my youth up while I suffer thy terrors, I am distracted. I think of my own daughter who struggled so much with pain and with Lyme's disease throughout her early days. And she. Wondered, we wondered, we cried out to God. Maybe tonight we have someone here just crying out to God, Lord, I don't know how long you're going to keep us in this chamber, this prison house without any light through the window. Four times he asked, Lord, I'm frustrated. How long? And yet God never gets angry at these psalmists for their honesty, for their lament. In fact, God loves to hear us pour our hearts out before him, as long as we don't have a spirit of anger or bitterness. Like a good school teacher, God never chides us for coming to him honestly, no such thing as a poor, honest question, uh, as as a, as a excuse me not as a poor no, no, no such thing as a poor question when it's honestly presented before the Lord. Say, Lord, you know I've been I've been complaining. That's a lament. I've been complaining in the right spirit, if we could say it, for a long time. I've been asking you to work for a long time. Don't tell me what it is. But raise your hand if you've been praying about something for a long time. Just raise your hand. Something to change, some person perhaps, in your life. And he's asking, "Why must I be the whipping post for the enemy?" And verse up, he says, "How long, verse two, will my enemy be exalted over me?" The Lord doesn't mark down for the fervency, the heartfelt prayers. He never gets tired of hearing. Your laments and seeing the tears that flow down your cheek, perhaps not in public but in private. And then we see the complaining kind of takes an edge. Not only is he frustrated, he's a little bit desperate. Psalm 88 verses 13 through 18. Let's take a look there again, bouncing a bit back and forth. I've cried to thee, O Lord. There's a sense of desperation here. In the morning, my prayer shall come to you, prevent thee. And why are you casting me off and hiding thy face from me? I'm afflicted and ready to die. There's a desperation. And it's been a long thing from my youth till now. Your fierce wrath goeth over me. Thy terrors have cut me off. They've come around me daily like water. They Circle me or compass me about together. Lover and friend hast thou put far from me and mine acquaintance into darkness. There is not only this sense of frustration, but it's desperate. Lord, please, will you please listen to me? You think about the history of Israel and the times that they were so desperate for God to work. Remember at the very brink of the Red Sea how they began to get frustrated and cried out to God. Other times Israel surrounded by the Syrians and by the, the Moabites. And there's these prayers from the kings that, Lord, unless you work, our eyes are upon you. There's nothing we can do. Why is it? Why is it that God puts us in prolonged periods of what seems to be the prison house. You ever wonder about that? Say, Lord, I'd like to be in a happier place. I'd like to have I'd be surrounded by happier people. I'd like to have more resource. I'd like things to change. Have you ever prayed, Lord, would you please work and if you don't mind, work now? Hurry up, God. It's been a long time and I'm not only frustrated, I'm, I'm to the point where I'm desperate. I'm at the edge of this. I don't know if I'm ever going to come up out of this deep, dark pit of despair. Lord, if you could do this, please do it now. It would be helpful. You see the psalmist strength, uh, crying out to the Lord, verse 3 of Psalm 88, for my soul is full of troubles and my life Draweth near to the grave. I'm counted with them that go down into the pit, and I am as a man that has no strength. So there's this idea of frustration and desperation. Lord, uh, I, I need you to work now. God has a way of waiting until we come to a place where we have no more human answers or solutions, strength or resource. God and His great wisdom often brings us to those places. Why? Because He wants us to understand, He is all I need. Don't you love that hymn? Does Jesus care when my heart is pained too deeply for mirth or song? I think I heard one of John Needler's boys before church tonight walking down the hallway singing. Little guy, Judson, just singing. I thought, Amen. Poor kid doesn't know about the problems I've got. <laughs> we tend to think that way. If, like Abraham Lincoln, if everybody knew how bad I've got it, we'd have nobody in the world would be smiling. So there's desperation, there's frustration, but the song goes on. As the burdens press, the cares distress, the way grows weary and long. I love the refrain, oh, yes, he cares. I know he cares. His heart is touched with my grief. Although I can't see the sunlight, I know above the clouds, the sun shining. The days are weary, the long nights dreary. I know my Savior cares. Does Jesus care when my way is dark with needless, with the nameless dread and fear? The daylight fades into deep night shades. Does he care enough to be near? I love the refrain, oh yes, he cares, I know he cares. We might craft another stanza for our own church. Does Jesus care? We might say, when our shut-ins suffer, the most faithful among us fade and flee. Is his kind heart touched by our midnight sighs, our labors and prayers, does he see? What are you praying earnestly for? It seems like the Lord is dragging his feet. Our speech can even turn into negotiation, not just frustration, desperation, but negotiation or accusation. Verse 4, I believe it is here, it says, of chapter 13, Psalm 13, verse 4, we see the psalmist say this, what, what happens, Lord, if, if and we begin to think of ways, Job even said this, "What? what if our enemies... Lord, you got me in such a tangle here with circumstances and health and 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 finances and and all the rest. It's just going the wrong. What if what if the enemy says I, I prevailed against him, Lord? What if you're perceived as being weak and deaf to our needs and those that trouble me? Rejoice when I move. We think of anything. I think of. Joseph in the jail, right? Lord, please remind the butler to to say something good about me because I believe you have forgotten me. And if I'm forgotten in jail, what about that dream I had about, you know, you know the stars and the sheaves bowing down and me being a great resource and a help and a leader. Lord, what about all that? Lord, you you can't because you know You've got to look good. And we look terrible to our enemies, weak and poor. And So there is this desperation and frustration and negotiation. Lord, we're in a tough spot, and if you don't do something, your own reputation is at stake. We, we've thought of a lot of things. My enemies will prevail. And then, in verse 4, they're going to rejoice when I am moved and troubled. Folks, tonight, your spirit may be a lot like the weather outside, and you're just saying, "You know what? I know it's Christmas time, but it doesn't look good." What was the song? What is the ray of hope in this? What was the psalmist's confidence? Well, I've already mentioned in this this end of this this chapter, so wonderful chapter thirteen, since you're there, but he says, "I've trusted in what thy." has said, "Thy mercy, thy kindness, my heart shall rejoice in thy salvation." And then what does he say? Like Judson tonight singing in the hallway, "I will this is a discipline in the darkness. I don't feel like singing. I don't feel like praising God. I don't feel like it, Lord. What does he say? I will sing." You said so hard, I don't feel like it. Uh, everything's going uh, not my way, and I will sing unto the Lord because He hath dealt bountifully with me. It's Christmas time. I was going to start the service by asking you what was the what's the greatest gift that you've ever received at Christmas time. Well, it's a, not a thing at all. It's a person. He's dealt so, folks. We have it good, don't we? We, you say, Pastor? What do you mean? We've got, I got it rough. It's tough where I live. God's been so gracious to us. We've just got back from a place where, it's good for me to, it's good for me to be reminded of how not just financially we have it good. We we just got back from a place where folks lived literally out of their gardens, and when there's no food, they just don't eat at all. We brought a bunch of bread, loaves of bread some oranges, and you thought they were the happiest folk in all the world. We don't have this, and we don't have that, and Lord, you ought to know how bad it is. You get to whining and complaining. And the focus we need is the, the kindness of God that spared me from the depths of hell and uh, gave me a Savior and all the benefits that go with that. So what if you can't afford the latest gadget for your kids this Christmas? Gather them around, point them to Jesus, and say, He is all that you need, more than you need. I know it's hard for kids to appreciate that. I know it is. We had a Christmas like that in Brazil where we had nothing. Mission Field and our parents gave us the most memorable Christmas that we ever had. Kids, there's nothing for you. We don't have it to give you, but we've given you Christ. Oh, say that's tough for a fifth grader to hear. It's not really, as I remember those words, more than any Christmas I've ever had. Come, look in the manger again. He came. To give you his life. That's a great gift. I have trusted in thy mercy, thy kindness. You can just obsess about what you might not have or the dark situation around you. I will sing unto the Lord because he hath dealt bountifully with me. And then we see in Psalm 88 verse 9, I mention this, I have called daily upon thee I'm mourning because of my affliction, but I've not quit calling upon you. And then he says this, uh, I'm so glad. He says, but, I, but unto thee, verse 13, have I cried. There's the ray of sunlight in the dark casket <laughs> that you may be thinking you're in. Uh, Lord, you're there. In the morning shall my prayer uh, go to thee, prevent thee, be sent to thee. And so in the midst of all this, the anchor point is that Christ is still ours and we are His. And in all the circling disappointment and discouragement and depression, we have God. When all around our soul gives way, He then is still our hope and stay. So there is the confidence that the psalmist has, and he sings a new tune. Has he been removed from sorrow? No. Has the pain gone away? No. Has the circumstances changed? We don't think so. But his tune has changed. His attitude has changed. His heart has changed because he's focusing now on the Lord. John Bunyan's classic allegory, The Christian Life, The Pilgrim's Progress, uh, follows the hero, Christian, on his treacherous journey from the city of destruction to his heavenly destination, The Celestial City. I encourage you to read this book. Along the way, Christian and a companion approach a very miry slough. It was in the midst of the plain, and they, being heedless, fell both into it in the bog. The name of the slough was Despond. Here, therefore, they wallowed for a time, being grievously uh, covered with dirt and slime, and Christian, because of the burden on his back, began to sink in the mire, His traveling companion manages to wiggle free, get out. But rather than giving Christian a hand up, he turns away from the path of life and goes home. Christian then is left struggling alone in the bog, muddy the muddy hole until a man named Help comes by the Holy Spirit and pulls him free from the despondency's pit, sets him on solid ground. Christian asks Help. Why is this dangerous plot of land not been re uh, been mended that poor travelers might go on heaven's journey with more security? Help tellingly replies this miry slough is such a place as cannot be mended, and this is true in real life. God has along the trail for you some of these areas where he wants you to struggle a bit so that you will cry out to Him and appreciate the help that only He can give. These two hymns in the Jewish hymn book, the psaltery, are there on purpose. They're called laments in order that we might identify with the psalmist of old who went through very difficult times. Life isn't always a cakewalk or a piece of cake, is it? And yet we have a Savior who's willing to help us, ready to help us as He did the Holy Spirit came along and helped a pilgrim, a Christian, out of that slough. And that's the only way out, is to look up and trust the Lord to help you through this. Psalm 13, Psalm 88 or laments. But i thankful for it because often I've needed that reassurance that God is faithful. He said, David said, regardless of how dark it is, how deep the well is, How long the trial is, I will sing, sing of the mercies, the chesed of the Lord. This Christmas, you're going to have an opportunity to be a minister to somebody who's going through a difficult period of time, depressed. And I want you to encourage them that God is faithful. God is faithful. Father, thank you for uh, these reminders from Scripture. Thank you that even though you often on the trail of life, lead us through these valleys of darkness. The good shepherd never leaves or forsakes his flock or sheep. We're thankful for the promise, not just of eternal joy, but strength for the journey. And so, Lord, I pray that for these my beloved brothers and sisters in Christ, I pray that you would strengthen them. Maybe it's a health battle, maybe financial difficulty. Maybe it's a relationship that just needs to be repaired and And Lord, our timing is not always yours, and thank you that you put us through the paces, so to speak, and cause our souls to be wrung out. You love to hear our heart cry to you, and often the greatest tool for that is difficulty. And Lord, I'm thankful that in those difficult passages of life, you are near to those who cry out to you for mercy and help. So help us, we pray. Be a blessing along life's trail, no matter how difficult the trail becomes. We ask you for your grace, your mercy, your kindness. Remind us of that often. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for joining us today. Please tune in each week for new messages from Bible Baptist Church in Hampton, Georgia. Until next time, may the Lord bless you and keep you and make His face to shine upon you.